everybody, and welcome into another episode, virtual episode, of the Eye on the Tigers podcast here at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Ben Fredrickson, joined, as always, by Dave Matter in the Columbia Bureau, here to break down what's going on in Mizzou sports and also college sports at large as we try to continue to figure out you know, what the chances are of this college football season getting off the ground this fall. There have been some positive developments on that front. We're going to get into those here, schedules, uh, regulations, players trying to get involved in the discussion of what this fall will look like. We'll, we'll tackle that all here, Dave, but I want to start out with the SEC schedule. We've seen some start to trickle out in other conferences. We're hopeful the SEC could have its slate of games here soon. We know the SEC has gone to that 10-game SEC-only schedule, but we don't know who Missouri is going to be playing. When do you think we could get a look at this thing? Well, we're recording this on Thursday, and it doesn't sound like it's going to happen today, maybe Friday. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised the SEC has its own network. Why not roll this thing out live on TV, prime time, try to get some viewers, and maybe do something like that? Um, you know, essentially every school will add two opponents to their, their eight-game schedule already, but all the dates are basically up for grabs. I mean, they really could scramble this thing. Just because you were supposed to play Florida on November third that doesn't mean you're going to play them on November 3rd now because you're going to have to mix and match a bunch of dates when you're adding opponents Um, we don't really know exactly how they're going about picking your two new teams Uh, there was some reports that it was going to be based on strength of schedule well if that's if that's true well Missouri's got Arkansas and Mississippi State already you figure they'll want to balance that out with two really good teams so you could see Missouri maybe playing LSU or Maybe Alabama. Uh, they just went there a couple years ago. Uh, they've got Auburn coming up uh, next year, the year after. So it's, you know, it, whatever way you shake it out, Missouri's going to have to add two pretty tough opponents. Could be Ole Miss, which wouldn't be as hard, but they just played them last year. So I, I would think they'd want to get a little variety in there. Um, but we do know the season will not start until September 26th, unlike the Big Ten, which is starting – Uh, much earlier than that the SEC is pushing everything back including the start of practices they were supposed to start tomorrow on Friday but now we know that's pushed back till at least uh, September 17th or I should say August 17th um, which will be traditional camp preseason camp you know helmets and pads and uh, live drills and all that. What do you make of of just the notion that you're going to have some of the best teams in the country playing about it well, obviously a different schedule, but a different calendar. I mean, you could have, you know, an Ohio State could be three games into its season by the time Alabama takes the field. It's going to be unusual. It's it's going to it's going to make like the AP and coaches polls even more meaningless than they already are. I mean, you're going to you could have yeah a couple Big Ten teams at three and zero. How do you say if they're better than Alabama or LSU who are still sitting there waiting to have their season start and have even barely gotten into camp? So. Um, it, it is, it, and, then, and then if the season plays out and they're able to play and then you get into time for picking playoff teams, um, you know, are those SEC teams going to be a little more fresh because they haven't played as many games? I don't know, man. It's, it's going to be – I just hope the, the hope is that you get far enough into the season where you can pick some playoff teams. Um, is it going to be as fair? Is it going to cause the usual amount of – dissent and distress picking those four teams and it usually does well that's probably good for the sport just to have a little controversy and have some um some polarizing views on on some of those teams but 
this year, I think you almost just write some of that off and just hope that you get that far. As of now, though, there will be a regular college football playoff. They're going to push the announcement of those back. There probably won't yeah. be as many bowl games, right? We've seen some of those being – some of those have been tabled, but there will be, at least for now, a series of bowl games and a traditional college football playoff. Yeah, that's the plan. Or at least, you know, no one has canceled some of those mid-tier bowl games yet, and we, we don't really know what the threshold for making a bowl game will be. I mean, if you're only playing 10 games <laughs> – got to have a healthy well, team. you Keep your team healthy, you're, right. you're in a bowl game. Right, right. And, and, you know, unless you're sitting there at one and nine. Um, the another interesting thing, people kind of brought this up, what if you start off 0-3 and, and then you get, you know, a mini outbreak on your team? I mean, will teams just kind of close up shop, especially if there's no fans in the stands and you're not making that revenue anyway? So many possibilities here. I mean, we, we, we still don't know how many players are going to opt out. I think as of this morning at the Power 5 level, there was – it just got into double digits. Um, so we could see that, you know, grow and grow is that once camps actually open and these players are having to tackle and, and, and cover receivers and maybe be exposed a little bit more. So there's still so much that we have to get into that we haven't yet. And we're still just kind of in the planning stages for everything at this point. I wanted to get into some of these we've seen now in a couple of conferences, the PAC 12, the big 10, players getting together and saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to basically form a coalition or a body that's going to lobby for certain safety measures and testing protocols on our behalf. And I want to get into some of that, but some of the things they were requesting have now been put in place. We've talked on this podcast before, like, is somebody going to wake up Mark Emmert? You know, what, is, he, <laughs> is he asleep in his basement? Um, not to make a political reference. But, uh, you know, his, what, where is he? Where is Mark Emmert? And why isn't he doing something? He's the head of the NCAA, and what's going on here? Well, he is stepped forward now, and now he's taking his victory lap over the NCAA mandates that have been put out. Um, but these are, some of these are pretty smart. What, what are, what are, this is finally the NCAA, which usually handles college football with a very much hands-off approach, stepping forward and saying, hey, these things are not suggestions. They are guidelines. You have to do these things if you're going to play college football. Yeah, these are the things all along we were wondering, when is the NCAA going to step in and enforce some mandates, you know, some testing mandates. Uh, they want athletes to be tested for COVID, I think, 72 hours before competition. And I, I know he made a comment Thursday, I think it was on the Today Show, saying that if those results aren't back before kickoff of a football game, then that – and that player can't play in that game. We'll, we'll see how that unfolds. I mean, we might get some some magically delivered uh, test results uh, during during pregame warmups at some places. Um, you know, they established a snitch line like we saw in in the NBA bubble, where where you can call in, I guess, anonymously and report. You know, whether it's teammates or coaches are doing it, or or you catch wind of other teams that aren't socially distancing or not wearing masks. Um, they're going to allow athletes to opt out of participation if they're concerned about COVID and still have their scholarships renewed, which I think the major con – I know the SEC had already established a rule for that. The Big Ten has too. Um, they're kind of putting some dates out there that I think by August 14th, um, they've got the, – the leagues have to have eligibility accommodations set for their athletes, so they're not going into camps not knowing what's at stake for them, which is, which is good. I don't know why it took till August to, to decide that. Um, these, these legal, these waivers that they're making athletes sign, um, 
schools in the NCAA cannot require athletes to waive their legal rights when it comes to COVID and participating in sports. Again, could have saved a lot of trouble by maybe announcing that back in June when these things were kind of popping up or even May. Right. Um, and there's a lot of talk too about medical expenses. And, and that's something we can get into with, with the athletes that are looking for some help, not just while they're student athletes, but down the road. And that's what we really still don't know about you know, this virus, what the long-term effects is going to be for anybody, much less college athletes. So um, they're looking for some protection there, which I think is really smart. I mean, that just shows that these, these college athletes aren't just about the here and now. They're, they're thinking about down the road. And that's, that has to be a concern, I think, of a lot of parents, um, probably some coaches too. But, but maybe these players aren't thinking about that. But it's, it's good to see that the NCAA at least is looking at that a little bit. And we know that the players in these coalitions in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are, are looking at that. Yeah, there's even the example of the young man at Indiana yeah. who was at CBC, the offensive lineman whose mom put up that Facebook post this week where it's gone like viral since then. But yeah. uh, she explained that her son was part of the testing protocol at, at Indiana for the football team. They were doing things the right way and he couldn't shake the virus. And turns out he might have some sort of heart condition perhaps brought on by the virus. We're seeing that some. In, in athletes who are young and, in, and healthy, that it can do some some damage to the heart. So I, that's that's interesting that that's becoming a part of it, not just hey, testing treatment now if you have a bad run with the virus, but what could be what could be involved later on down the line. It seemed like the the Big Ten players group was more about hey, this is strictly virus related, yeah. health related. The Pac-12 group was a little more. It's kind of intermixed here. It's about the virus and, and playing through this pandemic, but also more about, seems like, you know, they were trying to take on too. So this unpaid student athlete discussion and trying to maybe get more, get more money flowing the players way. Um, have you seen a difference between those two approaches? Yeah, very different tones. You know, the PAC 12, again, they addressed a lot of the COVID health and safety measures protocols that the NCAA has been kind of late to the party with, but also they really touched on, the financial inequality uh, within college sports, you know, they addressed the, uh, the salaries for Larry Scott, the PAC 12 commissioner, the salaries for the head coaches. I think one of their, you know, demands, which also that these were more, these were more phrased as demands in the PAC 12, whereas more they were proposals in the big 10 was for to split the revenue 50, 50 between the, the schools and the conference level. And then I guess with the athletes, well, that's, that's great. It's really admirable. You know, I think some of us would love to see something like that someday, but it's not going to happen before kickoff of this season. We know that. Not before a pandemic crunched season. Right. Right in the middle of all that. They, they touched on a lot of the, you know, kind of social justice issues, uh, minority hiring, things like that, which again are all great things that I think college sports really needs to, um, needs to address. I don't think it's going to happen in a couple weeks time before the season starts. Um, but if you're going to sit down at the negotiating table, I think you have to, you have to come with some pretty um, high expectations or high, high demands, and, and then you negotiate from there. So the, the Big 12 really brought it, or the Pac-12 really brought it there. We'll see what comes out of that. They also talked more about, hey, we're not going to participate in events this year, games or practices, unless these things are met. The Big 10, they did not go that far. They did not threaten anything. These, this is more um, – you know, proposals that they want to see addressed. And again, it's all about health and safety and, and 
uh, you know, just protocols for the season all related to COVID, which I think is a really smart take. And I applaud those, I think it was a thousand football players um, that, that agreed to kind of put their name on We didn't, I don't think we saw names, but you know, that's how many pledged to be a part of this movement. I would not be shocked if we see something similar from the SEC, although they might look at this since released mandates from the NCAA and feel better yeah. about, you know, their comfort level and moving forward here, um, such as being tested three times per week. Um, and, and, and that is, you know, that you got to look at that mandate compared to when we started talking about this, there, Missouri wasn't going to test only right. if a guy had symptoms. I mean, remember when that conversation was, was happening. So clearly things have, have moved, moved quickly here. Um, I wanted to touch about the Pac-12 one more thing. I think the actual most interesting story to come out of that conference this week was John Wilner, I believe, had the, the scoop on um, <laughs> the Pac-12 kind of working behind the scenes, Dave, to line up what would be, you know, millions upon millions of dollars yeah. worth of loans for um, members of the conference, schools in the conference, if they were to cancel football season. Um, yeah. clearly, I think everybody has said, okay, there's a chance there might not be a football season. But right. this is really the first news we've heard of conferences going, okay, let's investigate maybe a bridge loan in case there isn't one. Um, that struck me as, as usually if teams are, or conference representatives are doing that, there's a, there's a significant chance that could be the reality of the situation. Right. I mean, what do you make of that, of that story. Yeah, I think the total he had was $83 million for each school that that's what they're seeking loans for at a maximum level over, over 10 years. Um, I think we look at it one of two ways. Those schools in the Pac-12 are either really smart about getting out in front of this or they're really scared there's not going to be a season. And I, I think that's kind of the natural place for these kind of um, these, these ideas and movements to start because we know out West is where uh, – Local governments, state governments have been more cautious, at least initially, on opening up their states and not having crowds and not being able to host things like football games and college football games. So I'm not surprised that they took the lead on this. You know, this is not something you expect from Georgia or Florida right now to be, you know, that concerned or at least to where when these when these documents started getting put together, because obviously it took them time to compile these and, and track these down through uh, okay you know, record requests. Uh, but, but it's really interesting. I mean, this is, we, we've talked all along about just how much money is going to be at stake here uh, for all these college teams if there's not a season. And even now, if there is a season and they still can't have crowds, these schools are going to miss out on so much revenue. I'm just crippling revenue. Um, Penn State just this morning announced that as the way that the state orders right now are in Pennsylvania, they will not have crowds at football games. Imagine Penn State, where they normally, you know, break records every year with 100,000 100, plus at their games, not having any any fans there, um, that's going to leave a huge impact on their bottom line. Um, and no different at Missouri, even though Missouri doesn't obviously have that many fans, you know, they still rely on the revenue of what they do bring in to, you know, bankroll their their athletics department. So uh, I, I would not be shocked if these things are happening you know, in the other conferences too, that these schools are now finally starting to look at ways to protect themselves financially from just having to collapse in case there aren't games or aren't fans. I think what we'll probably end up seeing are the teams, the leagues that have significant money, but also significant reliance on, on college football and enough that enough so that 
simply playing on TV in front of no one will be better than not playing at all. Yeah. They will find a way to push. They will find, they will push forward until something happens where they could have to stop. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully they can play. But when you're seeing the NCAA cancel division two and division three fall, you know, fall championships, Connecticut has already said it's not having a football season this fall. Now Connecticut's barely a, barely a, barely a football program. I mean, that's, the transition to football has gone very poorly for UConn. So, but they're not the kind of program that if hey if they if they say hey we can get our games on TV we can we can be better than not having the expense of playing a season. Yeah. I think teams that don't that, that that can't be in a better position by playing on TV are going to find ways to not have it. I think that's what we're going to see here. Yeah, it's there's so much still to unfold, and these these ads they have to just to be praying every day that they can have some semblance of the season and I think the most sobering realization of all of this is these teams haven't even practiced yet you know we're seeing these outbreaks on campuses within their athletic facilities and some schools have done a great job of you know keeping these numbers really low I mean Oklahoma has been front and center of all of this so tribute to Joe Castiglione and really the coaching staff there at Oklahoma I mean you know they came out right away and took the social distancing and took all of this stuff so seriously that the mask ordinances more so than probably any other school publicly. And we see the results. They don't, they haven't had positive cases. So that's, so that's great. And then you see on the flip side, I think it was Louisville yesterday. Now it wasn't football, but it was four programs, men's and women's soccer, volleyball, and, and another one they had 29 positive cases and all stemmed from one off-campus party. And yeah imagine what's going to happen when, when students come back and, and repopulate these college towns or, or college campuses like at Louisville. And, um, and you're going to see these numbers, unfortunately, it's hard to think that they won't just explode. So uh, gosh, uh, you, you just hope they can, they've got plans in place and these kids are vigilant enough to, to not let that happen. Yeah. And the other thing too, is if, the, if there are programs that have, you know, a lot of trouble with this, that's going to increase the, the likelihood that certain players will opt out. I mean, you yeah. saw the kid at, uh, was it the defensive back at, Cle- was it Clemson? Who is, or which, which program was he from? One of the top oh, defensive backs Virginia in the country. Tech. Virginia Tech. Yeah, at, at, yeah. Virginia Tech. And he has since said that the reason he opted out was he didn't think the team was doing a good job of taking it seriously. He's like, I look up and we're in our indoor facility and nobody's wearing masks and we're all on the same field. He's like, I don't think that was, going to be in my best interest to put myself in a spot where I could get, you know, potentially, you know, damaged and then have to carry that into the, you know, my chances of going pro. So now most guys aren't in that spot where they can just not play a season right. still get drafted. But if you lose very many of those players because they don't see the benefit in playing, then you're talking about a watered down product and, and missing some of its, some of its star power. I mean, if enough guys do that, then you're looking at a college football landscape without some true, stars in it so that's uh that's interesting but um you've been on top of it you'll have the news of the schedule as soon as it's out up at stltoday.com and you'll be ready to cover camp you've been getting us ready for camp but also <laughs> you know we're also taking us to the you know the discussions that are that are happening all around it so keep up the good work is there anything else on this front that we should hit on before we wrap this up i don't think so i mean I, this is going to be such an interesting season for Missouri and an interesting camp because you've got a new staff and they barely installed this offense. They've had to install it via Zoom over a few months. 
but they really like some of the pieces that they have. And are they going to actually get on the field with a football and put pads and helmets on and try to get this thing going? We, we just don't know. It's still going to be a few weeks. So they were all set to start Friday, and, and now that's put on pause for a while. So um, we'll see. Yeah, well, keep us posted, and we'll keep catching up here on the Island of the Tigers podcast. For those who are hearing this for the first time, um, you might be seeing the video um, that we've been uploading, a little short video clips. You can find us on iTunes, um, whatever app you use for your podcast. Just punch in Island of the Tigers podcast, and we should pop up there. And thanks for those who tune in and subscribe, send us emails about it. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and we'll keep you up to date on all things football, non-football, Mizzou, and NCAA-related here on the podcast. For Dave Matter, I'm Ben Fredrickson. We will talk to you next time.